2: not sister you is pregnant with twins she claims it's immaculate you don't
1: think
0: that these
2: children are from god i think all children are from
0: god she says her two unborn kids talk to her and that she knows that one of them is good and one is evil Sir, he Oh, I think we were chosen. He like Mary and Like Joseph. They are born. They'll bring about the end of days. Breathe in and out. In and out. In and out. In and out. In and out.
2: Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of the projection booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I am talking with co-directors Crew Ennis and Lee Roy Coons all about their 2023 film, Deliver Us. The film is opening on September 29th, 2023. Definitely check it out. I hope you enjoy the movie and I hope you enjoy this interview. I'm really excited to talk to you about Deliver Us. But before I do that, I would love to know a little bit more about you guys. Can you tell me even just how you met, like how you got into the business crew? Can you start? I, I, from Arkansas, went to school at
1: U of A. And then when I graduated, I went out West and relatively quickly, I met Leroy on a graduate student film at USC. And then within nine months, we were making a micro budget indie film. We really hit the ground running and we've been working together ever since.
2: What even got you interested in pursuing the business? Mine started in eighth grade. I had one of those
1: very impactful teachers, Mr. Robinson, my eighth grade history teacher. I was a troubled student and <laughs> he thought he could reach me through film because I'd always quote and do movies. And so he let me do my mid-semester project on film and it was on Pearl Harbor. And so I did it like a live broad news broadcast of Pearl Harbor was on a pond with little islands, setting them on fire and crashing stuff. And he submitted it to a arts competition for the state. And I won it in eighth grade. Ever since then, that's all I wanted to do.
2: That's it. Nothing else. And Lee, how about yourself?
3: Uh, Yes. I went to USC film school and that is actually how I met crew is I was acting in another film student's project and we hit it off immediately, became good buddies. And when me and Isaac, who were at school together, decided to drop out to make a feature film with our tuition instead of spending it for another year. We enlisted crew to work on it with us. and then me and crew ended up playing brothers in it, and the three of us produced it together. And then fifteen years later we're we're making this film together.
2: And the same question for you as far as what got you interested in filmmaking in the first place.
3: So I did. I always loved movies. I think a big part of it, my dad was a high school football coach and we would go like practice and work out with the team and then we would movie hop. We'd see three movies in a day sometimes. And there was even this one summer, I think Gladiator played for theaters for a year. I probably saw it at least seven times all because it was just the only one after a while. And I think that young, when you see a movie over and over again, you can start to see how it's put together or how it works and just gets like, oh, I think I could maybe do something like this, or I think I get an idea of it. I want to learn more. That's pretty
2: brave to decide to make that feature rather than continue school. But I, I definitely applaud it because I'm sure you learned a lot. Oh, yeah.
3: Yes. I would recommend it to anybody in film school to save that money. Support yourself while you get a job working for someone else in the business working it in or to at least use a part of that to make something still so learn quick. And then also then you have a calling card. Someone can see what you do and they connect with others. You know.
2: And you guys have done more than just directing, obviously just quote unquote directing, writing, acting, a whole bunch of stuff. Can you tell me a little bit of what is that like wearing all those different hats as you go through these projects?
1: I think it's it helps develop your voice as a, Artist as a filmmaker as an auteur, all of the above. <clears throat> our approach to filmmaking is: that I think you should do everything at the beginning, everything you can. The better sense you have of everyone's duty, the better you can direct, the better you can produce, better you can write. Even our post sound supervisor Brent Kaiser, who has unbridled sound and super sought after guy, he is a super sought after guy in the industry. He did everything everywhere all at once, and he's like the Daniel Brothers guy. He did Honey Boy anyway. He said something that stuck with me once, and it was our foundation and what we do by doing everything. It's really beneficial as an artist and a filmmaker. But when you get to a certain point, you can be dangerous to yourself. And so when you get to that point, then it's learning how to collaborate instead of compromise. It's learning how to work with other artists in order to take what was originally envisioned or take what you have and be able to add what they have to offer. And I think that's what separates our great filmmakers that we from someone who just knows how to direct or someone who does a, a good job in making a film that just comes out and doesn't really live with us.
3: Can either be the greatest strength or your worst enemy because you can synergize it. You understand what it's like to be going through for an actor, so then you know how to work with actors. As the writer, you're, you really know what you're trying to do as the actor. But usually, bad acting is like usually when you're still in the. In, intellectual space so if you can separate the two then it's great and then the acting is just the physical part and they can inform each other but i think that it does teach you to if you can rely on your collaborators and get outside of the there's like this myth especially that's perpetuated in film school that like directors this all-knowing being that's just going to have the answer for everything you set the tone and the like me and crew you set the energy and the pace of it but you really good directing is getting great collaborators to then do what they do best structure or a lot of freedom within structure and say that's the blessing part of it. You just say what you like.
2: I know you guys both worked on boys of Abu Grabe. Can you tell me about that project and how that one came about?
1: It was a friend of ours, Luke Moran who wrote a really great script. We had, Is a micro budget, no money, but wrote a really great script. And it got a lot of buzz in town as far as people wanted to work on. And I felt that it was Luke had written was a really good sense of what a lot of soldiers went through at that time. It's like that slow burn, that arduous journey of sitting. It's like my father who was a Vietnam veteran. he, He was stationed in South Korea and that movie really related to his experience. It's not a go out and conquer and save the day. It's trying to survive from yourself on these this horrific environment. And then the stain that Abu Ghraib left on us, um it was thought it was important to have that as a reminder of how anybody put in that situation would come to that conclusion. Like the Stanford experiment was a great was a great study of just that how you get that outcome pretty much every time. And then Leroy was, he's a phenomenal actor. He does everything else, but he's also a great actor. He he, he blessed the project was
2: just that. So tell me about Deliver Us. I have to say you guys really did a great job with the atmosphere.
3: Uh, we, we made it in the middle of the pandemic. It was pretty quick from the moment we had the, the idea to the script to making it. It's probably within six to eight months, which is really, really fast. So... You could say the film was definitely inspired by the anxiety and the feelings of the time. And so we definitely wanted to capitalize on that and get into production as soon as possible. Leroy's
1: dad pitched the idea for the screenplay over beers at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) And then they then Lee and Kane went and wrote the first draft within less than six months. It was like super quick. And when we were talking about it, I thought that I was like this idea, is, its it should have been done before. It was one of those, oh, some. why hasn't no one done this? We have to get on this. So we contacted Elena Litnova, who is a producer out of Estonia, who was in 2020, she was like top 20 producers to look out for in Europe. And we knew her from a project that comes out next, that we was shot over 12 years, 16 different countries. It's our, I don't want to say it's oops, but it's like a big deal for us. Just- it's how we learn to become filmmakers. And Lee wrote and directed that, and it's going to be great. But Yelena uh, was very respected. It was the pandemic hit everywhere in the world and not quite Estonia. Estonia was safe. She got the government backing and fitted us with the best the region had to offer as far as crew. And we were out there immediately. We got on a plane, got out there, living <laughs> living in a hotel room, and did... Two months prep. When we got there, there were six days of light, and the time we left, the it was mid-summer and the sun never went down. So we got to experience not only change in the season, but like the change in the people. During the winter, they're very cold, and they're still wonderful people. Very cold, and like I don't have time for this. Then the, the summer, they're very like fun and outgoing, and ready to hit the town.
2: It's great. So, what was that like living in Estonia for you guys? That must have been quite a little bit of a change of pace, and especially to come from the U.S., where we were in lockdown at that time, into a country where it doesn't sound like there was one.
3: Oh, I love being in Estonia, especially just the snow. It was six hours a day. In it was in in Tallinn. It's just as beautiful. It's like a fairy tale architecture, at least where we were staying. We've always dedicated an extreme amount of time to going and finding the most beautiful location and not just it being like perfect, but when it is the right space, then you can actually block the scene and you can move through shooting much quicker rather than if you don't have the right space, then you have to do a million different setups. And something that Isaac as a DP, he actually shot season two of Loki. One of the best things he does is is he will sh- set the light sometimes for individual shots. Like some DPs do that. And it's a nightmare, but for the most part, he spends the time lighting the entire area so that no matter where you put the cam- or he's ready to put the camera, it's pretty much ready to go. Um, And so every night in pre-production, me and Isaac and crew and Thomas and Vera, the actress, we were able to form that bond because we would just li- hang out late into the night, listening to albums, drinking beer and Talking about the project. So we had that kind of family aspect to it that carried through the difficulty of production. When we got there, it was one of the safest places
1: to be in the world as far as the pandemic. But the time we started shooting, because of the delay, everywhere else started to open up. It just got to its worst there. So everything went completely shut down, stopped. And our production was granted licenses like a necessity. We were able, we had the keys to the kingdom. We were able to go anywhere, shoot anything. 'Cause we were developing COVID protocol with other European nations through the Estonian government. And so we had a lot of help and leeway. It was like an adventure. I mean it was tragic because it was the pandemic, but we was going one day to the next not knowing how this was gonna shake out. A lot of our actors, Estonian actors are like have won their equivalent to the Academy Award because everything was shut down for Five and under lines, we got the best the country had to offer. It was amazing. And then Yaounde, who was one of the leads who plays Laura. She's classically theater trained, amazing actress. She can do anything. There's no limits to what she could do. And then Maria Vares from Italy, who spoke Russian and is like super sought after. She just really embraced what that character is and supposed to be. And then our two. They're European actors in Alexander Sidig and Thomas Kretschmann, but they they work so much in the States, they, they stay predominantly here. That was like a lifetime of knowledge that they were able to give to us. They were just so amazing and generous with their wisdom, something that we'll take with us for the rest of our careers. It was amazing working with everyone, but those two, we really love
3: a laugh from. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of planning the storyboards is another big thing and going and working out the shots and then rehearsals so that by the time we do shoot you're not wasting any of the crew's time you're not rehearsing the scene that you should have done before so everybody really brought it and you felt the difference in the end of the film for sure now kane
2: is that your brother yes that is my brother how was it working with your brother on the screenplay
3: oh it was great we did it through zoom and we just have a shorthand. We're both Catholic background and we would always read the same books. And me and my dad, we went through this phase where we were all reading Tolstoy at the same time or Dostoevsky at the same time. So we have all the same kind of literary references that there's a shorthand between us. And then once we have some of these ideas, we when we bring it to crew, it's filtering it and compressing it and how to get some of these ideas across visually and In the sense of just a story that this scene happens and then this scene happens, which technically then communicates this idea or allows the the potential for an audience to interpret that or to experience.
2: And crew, what is it like when they bring these ideas to you? Are you just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard? Or what is all this mumbo jumbo? It's always a
1: great idea. One of the things that we have is there's a safe place. So Leroy can bring me a very rough idea and he does all the time. Uh, and just to see if there's anything there to throw off of me, like him just saying it out. He'll call me and be like, what do you think of this? And he'll explain it and he'll be like, oh, yeah, never mind. Hang up. It's like a trust someone that you can throw the ball to that'll throw it back. I'll listen and throw it back. They're always great ideas. It's just which idea is worth putting the amount of time it takes to make them good. That's the one thing that people that are in the industry don't know about how hard it is to just develop a screenplay. The amount of time that goes into that i think that that's one of the like, cramming a full story in 90 pages and all the beats that in order to have a beginning middle and end of all these different storyline converging is one of the hardest things and takes so much intellect if you can write a good screenplay you can probably be do most other jobs i think not to downplay what other people do not at all it's just saying it's very hard to write a good screenplay and leroy is He's a great writer, and him and Kane are very fast working together. And so when they presented this, or this story that examines all these biblical themes, my my concern was all right, authenticity. Like, where are we with that? And then Hunter Leroy is not shy away. He's he wanted to get, he wanted to have a story that showed the opposite ends of the humanity, the best we have to offer and the worst. We start the film with the worst humanity has to offer. It's very important to him. And so we had to figure out how to make that work in order to set up all these biblical themes because this is very controversial territory. People have been arguing these ideas for thousands of years. And so to stick your neck out there, like he's one of the most well-read people I've ever met, not just people I know personally. He's actually put a lot of time in. I've read the Bible cover to cover a few times and he knows more, way more about it than I do. There's respect. Anytime he brings me an idea, I know it comes from a place of careful consideration and, and and intelligence. And so it's just, okay, uncovering what it is that's trying to be said and if it's being said or
2: conveyed. Did the movie change much while you guys were in rehearsals? Was there a lot of input and feedback from the actors as you were working through things?
3: Yeah. A good example is Thomas. He plays Saul, Thomas Kretschmann. He'd sit me down and he'd find a way to get rid of almost all his dialogue. Like that character had a lot. <laughs> and it was, what if we do this and that? And yeah, and you have to work them. And then Alexander Sadiq came and he understood the script and everything that I was trying to say better than anyone by far. Uh, and he sat down and was able to correlate how everything was put together and then come up with ideas, things that I wasn't aware of. How he'd want to say something, his own research, and so then we did it that way. Um, Vera was finding a way more to work like, like the physicality of it too. Outside of her needing to learn Russian to get her to embody that character, so it was more. Yeah, I don't know how you. I don't know it's like an Alexander technique or something. And then Yane was someone who came from the theater, who plays Laura, and she came like, maybe a little closer to. Alexander Sadiq, where she knew what she was doing and I could support her, but I didn't really have to worry much about her And either.
2: So tell me about the working relationship between you two guys as you're both directing this movie. What is that balance as far as the day-to-day as you go through this? I think it's, one, you've got to remove your ego
1: and collaborate instead of conceit. And he really spent like a month and a half working with Maria Bear, where they rehearse every day. That's their time, actor, director, and finding those characters' physicality. And then where I spend more of mine on cinematic storytelling with Isaac. And then we have a system of checks and balances. We come together, critique each other, see where we are, and then move forward. Lee might not like something we're doing. And I don't think I ever didn't like anything they were doing, but whatever that conversation is and then go forward. And that's all in pre-production. And then once production goes, it's like, this is what we're going to do. And then if we have a disagreement, we always have Isaac who would let us save energy from arguing and it'd be like, okay, that's the way we're going to go. And once we start, start a production, because an independent film, you don't get a second shot. It's not like student films. It's like, this is it. And you got to live with this forever. On the day, it's prioritizing importance. So you got to, I need these beats in order to make a movie. You got to have a, a macro view of the story editorially. I have to have these to make the movie. And then the other things are how good it's going to be. And then we operate from from
3: that. I and- think, hey, you were jumping at something good. You maybe hold the macro in your head a little bit more clearly. And I would be focusing on individual things, making sure that it was as tense and it, like on point as possible. A sort of divide and conquer kind of thing but he could put his focus on something and i could put mine completely on something else i'm always thinking editorially that's just how
1: my mind works and it goes good with lee like from a writer foundation who's thinking about the emotion and intent in that moment and so it's a really good balance
2: we talked a lot about what was going right with this project but what was going wrong what were some of the biggest challenges other than COVID that you had to overcome The weather
1: was changing so fast. Like I said, it started like tundra. It was like just everything was under snow. And then it started to like melt immediately. But because of our schedule was location dependent and actor availability dependent, we didn't have a lot of wiggle room, even though we had a Ralph was a great AD. We had these days, we had to shoot this thing. And if it was an exterior, it was an exterior. And we were just so blessed that it would just snow the night before and there'd be eight inches of snow. It was the most unbelievable thing.
3: That's one the, everything, usually everything that goes wrong can go wrong. And on our film, every possible break that we could get, we'd, we'd always get it. But I think to answer the question is the most difficult thing always is that you're running a marathon and just uh, that there's times where you're going to be completely drained. Your dopamine or your will to live is gone and you have to draw on something else to just push forward. And I think that's what you have to do day in and day out. And having each other again is another thing that makes it so that if one's completely burned out, the other can do it. We lean each other on that lean on each other in that way.
2: And tell me about the editing. As you guys are shooting this, are you having David Hines do the editing at this time or does he come in later on? He came
1: in later on. We had a an Estonian editor, Tambit, who brilliant man, but he he did our assembly. We wrap production. I stayed with him for two months there, and just did the assembly, and then shipped it back to Leroy and David, and then came and joined them for the for the rest of the edit. Because we have Russian and we have Estonian dialogue, we had to have someone for that element of the project to make sure that all that lines up. That was something you always want more time on. I don't think how no matter how much money you got, you always want more time there. An edit can always be improved and you can always have an idea later how to condense or explore something even more. And we were lucky. We had David's amazing. And Leroy and David got on great. And me and David got on great. And that was a really, blessed, it was a, like a one. It was like just out of nowhere. He wasn't working. It was like the most luck. And he was like, I think I'll take three months off. No, I think I'll do this. And then he came on and it was like just such a great experience. He had done huge movies and we were able to learn so much from him.
3: We want our film to be much more. Like that's the first thing, and that usually comes down to editorial. Is that you're getting rid of scenes you don't need, you're getting rid of dialogue you don't need. So it's it's threaded.
2: I'm glad to hear that you guys got along with David very well because I always hear that it's more like a marriage between the directors and the editor once you get to that phase of the production.
1: It's more like us. They're usually fine. It's more us. That's more like the marriage department. <laughs> it's just more like,
3: yeah, David's amazing, and he's a director too, and just a great storyteller. Another example of someone else coming in and just giving you something you don't have.
2: Tell me about your music and sound design, because the music again, talk about tension and just creating that mood. tody, his sister is Hilda.
1: He's part like a group, and she won the Academy Award for. Joker, which he was the arranger on. He was presented to us by Patty McMillan, who's we've worked with a few times as an agent and she's awesome. And he would, he had just come off four's lamb, which didn't have all, it was, didn't have a lot of score, but the bits that it did were so incredible. They're so overpowering and really makes them like those moments of the film are my favorite parts. And she sent that over me, Leroy and Isaac looked at it and I was like, this could be. He's perfect because it sets such a, a severity to everything. Everything was serious. And then we went to Brent Kaiser is a longtime friend and a collaborator. Everyone wants to work with this guy, he did everything at every, every once. And now everyone's like finally sees how great he is, but he's a genius. I wouldn't say that to his face. And then what he was able to add to the film in order to our low end, it's like when you hear it in a theater, it's, it's haunting. That five that five one surround mix compared to a stereo it's in your bones
3: we said we had like a manifesto we had like a bible for the sound and so when we we're every time we were shooting it we had a pretty good idea of that like we needed to have something here so that brent had a lot to work with because we knew that he would that he's the kind of artist that would elevate the film and take it to where we needed it
2: to be So tell me about that first time that you actually get to see the movie with an audience. Do you do any sort of pre-screenings or is it at a film festival? What is that like for you guys?
3: It was great because audiences loved it, but it was also torturous because it didn't have any of our sound mix and then the color was wrong. And so it still played well, but yeah.
1: Yeah. It was like my skin was on fire. (laughs) So we had a, something happened, like our... The DCP one is made to use old files for like temp sound and then used an unclear. I don't, we don't know what happened. There was a change position at who put the film together for us. And when it played, it was the first time for us to see it. We'd seen it with some friends and watched it and had those arguments and those laughs and all that stuff. But first time seeing it was an audience and I was having a panic attack. And then this woman behind me, that of the row, you know, reserved for us. She, was having trouble seeing, she asked if she could sit by me. There was one extra seat. And so she sat by me at that. It was the first time I felt good about it because she was like recoiling in fear. And then she was like covering her or plugging her ears and covering her eyes. It was like, and that was, she was jumping whenever there was a jump scare. And I was like, oh, this is all hitting. And it's not even the final
2: product. This is great. But yeah, apparently that happens a lot of festivals. I I don't know it does yeah if you don't do that pre-check and then even then it sounds like you guys were kind of up the creek yeah we, were, we did a pre-check
1: there and we we're like we thought maybe the theater was something was off or like what it was like, what's going on maybe we're just too close to it and then two minutes into it like, this is wrong <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah it was exciting it was exciting September twenty ninth. This comes out. Is it wide or select theaters on demand as well, or strictly theatrical at first?
3: I think it's oh, it's at same day and date. Like about fourteen cities. I think we'll get the final list here soon, and VOD the same day. Our LA premiere Wednesday, and then we release on Friday.
1: Leroy's got a Q and at USC tonight with his alma mater like the Sovo house is like a members type social club or something like that. And they're doing a screening and I'm going to go introduce the film to that. We're dividing and conquering.
2: That's fantastic. I can't wait for more people to see this. That'll be a great movie, especially you guys open it right before October. That's terrific. The idea is to
1: have that right now it's already started. People are getting into Halloween here and you know, (laughs) so it's like the idea to let it play through there. Magnolia, they know what they're doing. We trust them, and I'm excited to see how the film lands.
2: Tell me about this next project that you guys are working on, your magnum opus.
3: It's called Devil's Fruit, and we've been working on it for the last 14 years, shot it for 12 years. It's a good example of filmmakers having to raise a little bit of money, shoot this, and then shoot this part. And then it just evolved into, okay, we're not going to be able to shoot it in this way. So then we we just allowed the characters to age and It's about a Russian oligarch comes and corrupts this American family. And it's basically a Russian crime thriller, a revenge story. It's your boyhood. It is. Yeah.
1: We couldn't find anybody crazy enough to play the role. So we played brothers in that film. (laughs) All we're waiting on is opening credits. We're working with this company, King Country right now. And then Chris Coeli, who did our art and deliver us, the skins and the tattoos, he did our the graphics for our opening credit sequence. And it's it's awesome. It's going to be, so. it's going to do a really well, like it's perfect time for the film one dealing with Russia, what's going on in Russia, but two, it's just like festivals are going to eat this thing up.
2: I don't want to totally nerd out, but the poster for deliver us is fantastic. Oh,
3: thank you. I love that poster. And it has really deep meaning too. It's actually in the Russian Eastern Orthodox church, how they go get baptized. They'll cut the cross in the ice, they'll go out there, and they'll perform the baptism. And something about our dream sequence is me and Isaac are real big into young, and and he always talks about dreams and this universal conscious language. And so we tried to use that in a way of, this is how God would speak to these characters, nudge them on. I guess— the most important
2: question for me is, Lee, what did your dad think of this movie since he was the one that was pitching this all the time?
3: The crew was going on about that because he was on a losing streak for a while and I was over it. I was like, I don't want to hear another idea. And then we were in a brewery drinking together and there was this baby on the floor playing. It was crazy. We had to like keep an eye on it. It was, and it just made him, he's like, you know what, Lee, just shut up and you got to hear this idea. And then I was like, Dad, that's the best idea I've ever heard. He's so pleased with himself. He's, uh, He's pitching them left and right now. <laughs> I brought you into this world. You, know, you owe your existence to me, and Your best film idea.
2: <laughs> it sounds like this next one is almost wrapped up. Do you have the following project? Are you guys working on that already?
3: We do hope to do a sequel and uh, like a trilogy with this. I don't know if we'd probably give some time, but there's an Inuit horror script that I've been working on for a long time that's it's in the religious horror genre as well but uh, exploring more Inuit mythology through basically thriller again uh, with a detective thriller in the Arctic.
2: Crew, are you okay with that? Or would you rather shoot someplace warmer?
1: (laughs) I would rather shoot somewhere. No. Something very beautiful about uh, like those very cold, remote places. And then in Estonia, I found it. It's meditative. It's it's like therapeutic. I helped get through it. I am more partial to humidity being from where I'm from and warm weather. Anything for the sake of art.
2: (laughs) Let that be notedly that maybe after that, like a voodoo thing where you go down to Jamaica or Haiti or something.
3: We shot devil's uh, mostly in Cuba. Crew, you loved Cuba. (laughs) (laughs) No, I won't be going back to Cuba, but I do love the Caribbean.
2: (laughs) But. I didn't even think we could shoot down in Cuba.
3: It was at a time when we were still open to was a while ago, it was like right before the, it got not blocked again. Yeah. Yeah. You're lucky. the third
1: feature to ever be shot there from American production. I believe unless they just made that out.
2: Is there a good place for people to keep up with you guys and your projects?
3: Uh, yeah, we have a World's Fair Pictures website now that we uh, have created, and then also our all our socials. Uh, mine is just Leroy Coons, and we post, and crew, yours is just crew Enos, Instagram. On crew underscore Enos, yeah.
2: Leroy and crew, thank you so much for your time. This was great talking with you guys. I really appreciate this. Mike, right, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike.
0: Deliver us from all the hurt And deliver us from all the pain Let the glow of your love guide us Every day In the right way Help us make this world a, a better place oh, wow. And help us show our brothers a better way mm, Through love and understanding The answer's very clear It's up to you, it's up to me To make this world that we want it to be yeah. Give us strength that we might find a way and give us the right words for the children of the world, the children of the world and fill our hearts. Flood. And help us to make the message clear Teach us how to forgive So that we may learn how to live or together Together